0: Good morning, Crosspoint family. You may have a seat. Welcome, everyone. Let me borrow that one. So happy to be here with you. Special Sunday morning, as it always is. You know, last week we had a great Resurrection Sunday um, service, and we had a lot of people here, and uh, just so seeing you here back today is a blessing. We had a lot of people here for the first time last week. I know some of you are back, so we appreciate you being back. And we hope that you continue to be blessed as we uh, worship the Lord together. Beautiful songs that we get to sing that speak of our Lord's greatness, our Lord's worthiness. And it's a blessing to be able to gather as family, uh, as we work out through our issues. But we do it together. We do it to honor God. And uh, lifting up our voices is a very special way to do that. So I have some uh, announcements that I want to make known to you. Several. we got a lot of things going on this morning. We're going to have baby dedications, what we call them. I'll explain that in just a little bit. That will be just right before the, uh, the time of the message. And um, look at here. We're working on getting our hydraulic so that it will raise up from the... We're working on that soon. I have seen some churches do that. Uh, but I'm kidding. We don't need that. So I'm going to rapid fire some announcements here okay we'll start with the fact that the young adults ministry is meeting today uh, six o'clock here at church that's anyone 18 over 18 years old or thereabout. about i mean if you're 16 17 and a half we're not going to check ids and anywhere in the 30 we say 30 somethings so we're going to have food we're going to have a good time we're going to get into the word we have a guest speaker that doesn't come to this church um but has a really great God story that he wants to share. So, if uh, if that if you fall in that category, we hope to see you tonight and bring somebody with you. Most of us, if not all of us here, know people in that age category. Why don't you kind of reach out to them and uh, invite them or bring them? We're going to talk about that during the message today. So I understand there's a picnic coming up. All right, we haven't had one of those in a while. So we have a picnic. It's in the newsletter. If you don't get our newsletters, you want to go to crosspointchristianchurch.com, scroll all the way down and take literally three minutes just to fill out that basic information and then you'll get our newsletters and there you'll have all the announcements that I kind of repeat uh, this morning. But it will be on Sunday, May 1st, right after church, potluck style. Bring all your, your gear Uh, Whatever you want to play, hang out, I think it'll be a really great time. Let's see how that goes, and if it goes well, we'll continue having those more often, all right? I understand we're going to have a little football going on, and anyway, I think it'll be a blast. Growth groups, very important, all right, growth groups. We take the time to make this announcement because these announcements are actually very important. So growth groups are going to start also uh, the week of May 1st. May 1st is actually in seven days, right? Next week will be May 1st. Almost incredible how time is flying by, but we're going to start our second trimester in 2022 with our growth groups. Everybody is to re-sign up. Uh, you can do that online. Give us t- after today. Tomorrow, start signing up tomorrow because there's still some uh, information that needs to be plugged in, kind of finalized. But we highly, highly encourage you to join a growth group. So if you go online, you'll find the information. The idea is you come on Sunday morning, you worship together, you learn, You we're in the Word but then you don't want to go seven days without spending time with, with other Christians, you know, in an in a intentional environment where we're getting to know each other, build friendships, uh, ask questions, and just grow in the Lord. So uh, we invite you to join our growth groups. If you have questions about that, you can see me or any of the growth group leaders. But if you go online, you'll have basic information, enough to know what they're about, and then maybe you have some specific questions. So we would like everybody to sign up. You don't have to switch groups. We would... I would personally encourage you to consider switching groups. If you feel comfortable enough to do that, you may stay in your same group, but we do ask everybody to sign up, all right? And there'll be about six or seven options for you to sign into, including an, an all-women's on Friday night group, support group, Bible study uh, led by Monique Reed. So that we're kind of excited because that's something new that we're implementing uh, on Friday nights at 7, so... At the same time as a youth group. So that kind of works out for for perhaps for some of you. And I'm excited about Mother's Day, too. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. A great service to invite people and have something special for, for our moms. Great. I think that was all the announcements I wanted to share with you. So if you walked in and you grabbed one of these because you want to take communion with us, you want to celebrate the Lord's Supper... Uh, what we do is every week as we gather, according to the Lord's instructions, that as you, as you get together, when you get together, celebrate uh, communion. And that is we, we take the time to remember what our, our Lord Jesus Christ did for us at the cross of Calvary. And so what I want to do this morning, and this probably wasn't a good day to choose such a lengthy portion, but I just won't talk a whole lot. But I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8. Starting in verse 31, and I was trying to pick just one verse or two, but I'm going to read all the way to verse 39, but I'm going to try to limit my comments. And just listen. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Boy, I'm excited. Maybe this is the first time you're going to hear what Paul writes here in this chapter, in these verses, and you're going to be blown away. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39 And all of this is because of Christ did for us at the cross of Calvary. Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Isn't that awesome? It says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not together with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels or principalities nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's amazing. I hope you get excited about that. Paul is saying, I mean, you read Romans and it's an awesome, deep letter. And then he says, who can separate us from the love of God? And the answer is no one and nothing. Why? Because what Jesus did for us at the cross, and the Lord said it at the cross, it is finished. My work is done. What work? His saving work. And what did he do? Beloved, he did it all. You have to understand that there's nothing that you and I can contribute to the saving work of Christ. We accept what he's done for us, On behalf of us by faith, the the just shall live by faith. It is only by faith. We don't get to contribute anything. We don't say, Jesus is my Savior. He did 99.5% of the work, and then I did just very humbly, and I just did .05. You get zero credit for the saving work that Christ did on your behalf. When Christ was on the cross, He did it all. He paid it all in full. Isn't that amazing? And so what shall separate us from that? Who can take us from our Savior? How can we lose that? Paul says you can't because he did it all. And that's amazing. So as you peel back the first layer and you find the bread, which symbolizes, it represents the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ that hung on that cross on our behalf. Let's take that together. As you peel back that second layer, you have the juice that represents and symbolizes the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary for your sins and mine. Let's take that together. And are, are we ready to sing our hymn? Let's see. I want to see that first slide before I commit fully to this. You guys ready? Yes, we are. Why don't we stand? Let's sing this hymn. So we're doing is we're singing these traditional hymns. Uh, this is the second time we're going to be singing Amazing Grace. And um, and then we'll have a word of prayer. So let's sing this
1: together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a rich like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed through many dangers toils and snares we have already come twas grace brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. We'll end it right there. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for
0: this beautiful morning, and thank you for allowing us to gather as your family. We seek to praise you, to worship you, acknowledge your greatness and your worthiness. Thank you for your grace, and thank you, Father, for your love. And your willingness to send your son Jesus, our Lord, to bear our sin and bear the price of our sin at the cross of Calvary. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your sacrifice. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for revealing this truth to us, for using other people and your gospel for that information, that gospel to get to our ears. And thank you for allowing us to have this relationship with you. We praise you. We thank you. We bless your holy name in the name of Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may have a seed, beloved. So at this time, we want to do our baby dedication. And before we do that, parents are ready to go. Uh, I want to share with you why we do it. And I want to share with you from Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. We're excited because uh, we believe in church growth at all costs. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Uh, But it's awesome to have babies. One of the things that I'm so grateful for in our congregation is we have such a nice representation of all age groups. From our uh, older, seniors, mature, and experienced individuals to our brand new babies and everything in between. We have a nice youth uh, representation, young adults, young couples. And and here today we kind of get to celebrate and recognize these uh, young couples and young parents so um, we don't believe in baptizing infants we don't see that in scripture and the ch- for the church or even in the old testament but we do see what i'm about to read to you which is in matthew chapter 19 verse thir- starting in verse 13 and i'll just read a couple of verses so, Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 15 says this. <clears throat> it says, then little children were brought to him, the Lord Jesus, that he might put his hands on them and pray. And look at what happened. But the disciples rebuked the parents. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Then I believe Mark says he blessed them, prayed with them, and then he, he departed from there. But very, very interesting. And that's kind of where we get this idea of presenting babies to the Lord. And the reason why we do it is, this is these are parents, young parents with young children that are saying, I want to raise my child in the fear and knowledge of the Lord. And we understand that as a church, we're a local body of believers that bear a responsibility for all the children that we have here. So it's not just like my kids and then you take care of your kids. If we're, we we got to understand what we do and what we are. We're family. We're not like family. We are family. If God is my father and God is your father, that makes us siblings. We're a spiritual family. And we are to look out for one another and encourage one another and help one another. And we're actually going to talk about that in today's message so everything works out really nicely. So as the a, as a young families come up, and let's have you guys come up now, I want you to look at them. If you're thinking like, who are these people? Well, hmm, let's get to know them, yeah? Because it's going to be really difficult to, uh, let's have you guys come up. It's, really, it's going to be really difficult for us to really help them and encourage them if we don't even know who we are. All right, so I know you guys are going to want to hide on the edges, but come over here to the middle. Uh, actually, yeah, come up here. Why would you guys? Go? I was going to go down there, but you guys come up here. That's even better. So this morning, in our, in our English service, we have three families that are going to be presenting. All right, Jose, keep going, keep going. We're going to be presenting their, their children, their little ones. And I understand in our Spanish service, we have even more. Isn't that awesome? In case you, you don't get to see that. But... It's not so much a ritual, it's, it's for us to get to know them, it's for us to be able to see them. Um, some of you will, will recognize uh, the people that are up here, some of you may not, but get to know, they're awesome couples. You know, Adriana and Armando over here, they are uh, now coming and driving from where now? Victorville. From Victorville. They just moved, they just purchased a home, thank God, but in Victorville, and they're committed to making the drive over here. Isn't that great? And you should also know that Adriana helps us with, not not only does she watch her kids, but she helps us in our, in, our, in our children's ministry, taking care of other people's kids so that they can come and listen to the gospel. So we appreciate what you do. And um, so Adriana here and Armando are presenting Arian Juarez. And the nickname is Mateo. Yeah, his middle name is Mateo, so he goes by Mateo. <laughs> All right, so he, Mateo. So when you call him and say hello to Mateo uh you call him by Aaron he may not recognize that uh so we appreciate you guys being here and um so Mateo's actually gonna turn 2 pretty soon right all right so uh, adriana and armando and little mateo and then we have you probably know CJ and Ricky and they're presenting little Santi um you know you know <laughs> uh, i just want to tell you a little bit about them both they're they're awesome young couple Ricky, and both Adriana also, I've known her since she was, I don't know, like maybe like six years old, six years old. So we go way back. Ricky, I've known him since he was a teenager, and then he, he married up to CJ, and we gotten to know CJ the last several years, and now seeing God bless them, they're involved in our youth group uh, leadership. They, they've been doing that and helping us out with our young people for a while, so they're loved, and we appreciate everything you guys do. And then... Uh, little Santi. Who, how old is he? I have it right here, but he's six months old. Six months old. Little Santi. And then we have little uh, Maxi, who is, she looks like she's two. Two. So Maxi, Maxine, known as Maxi. We have Jose Galvan and Joanna Merida. So obviously, Jose, you see him uh, playing our, the guitar and, and leading and helping with our worship team. And all of that is possible because Joanne is supportive of what she does. We appreciate that, Joanne. Don't I, As a pastor married to my beautiful, wonderful wife, I understand how much I wouldn't be able to do if I didn't have my wife's support. So we appreciate what you do, uh, allowing him and lending him to us for him to, to lead here and serve. And I think that's important for us to point out because what we're saying here is, they want to raise their children to the fear of the Lord. They want to be good examples, right? I mean, parenting. a lot of parenting has to do with being a good example to our children. We'll never do that perfectly. But seeing you couples in one way or another, supporting each other as you serve the Lord uh, here at church, as you're committed to coming to church, uh, that's, that's what I think as a, as a pastor I would love to see in all of our young uh, couples, right? So... We're blessed to have you guys, your your families, um, the rest of the siblings, and uh, just want to encourage you to to continue pursuing the Lord. One of the best things that we can do as parents uh, is for us to pursue the Lord, to love our spouse. But I remember being like 15 years old and my pastor said, you know, one of the best things that a dad can do for his children is to love his wife the way God wants uh, us to love them. Isn't that that's so true? You know, as you guys work on your relationship, which I would imagine is not perfect, right? Uh, uh, as none of us are. Continue to pursue the Lord. Continue to, to, to come on Sunday mornings. Be committed to growing spiritually. Be involved. Serve him. And, and then intentionally uh, seek to, to raise your children in God's fear and, and admonition. And, um, and we expect great things from the Lord. All right? So let me pray over you guys. It's, it's a blessing. It's a privilege to be here with you guys. I, I have, this is the effect I have in uh, children here. He's, Santi's, Santi's gone. So um, let's pray. Why don't we stand? Let's pray with these young families. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, again, we're so grateful to you for allowing us this morning to present these babies and these families to you. We thank you for their dedication as parents. Uh, We thank you for these children. What a blessing they are to us as a congregation. We pray that you would help us be supportive and encouraging to these young families and these young children. Uh, So we thank you for little Mateo. We ask for your blessing and protection on him. We pray for little Santi. We ask for your blessing and protection on him. And we pray and thank you for Maxie. And we pray for your blessing and protection on her and these parents. Um, uh, more and more, it seems to be more difficult to, to be a parent in this culture, in this society, but we trust in your power and your grace, and we ask that you would strengthen these couples, that you would bless them, and that they would be, uh, for these children, what you want them to be. We're grateful as a congregation. We thank you, and we pray for your blessing in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you guys. All right, right here, right here you them, a buddy. Good job. Santi was awesome. Look at him. Look at him. God bless you guys. Johanna, thank you. Right here. Yeah. Let's see. God bless you guys. It's our future youth group right there. Let's... Very good. All right. So we're going to continue with our message this morning. And you better hold on to your seats because we're going to go fast. Um, This morning we continue our our messages from the gospel according to Luke. We're in chapter 5. And our hope is to be able to go through every section and every verse uh, in, in the gospel according to Luke. And I'll remind you that Luke writes this narrative to his friend Theophilus so that Theophilus can be certain of the things that he has learned. So we believe that Theophilus, the re- original recipient of this gospel, was a dignitary, a Roman dignitary, probably worked for the Roman government somewhere. Somehow Paul uh, and, and Luke got to know him. He becomes a Christian, and then Luke says, you know what, I'm going to write everything that I know, everything that I studied, and, and I'm going to write you this, this narrative of what Jesus both began to teach and to do so that you can be certain of the things that you've been taught. And that's what we want for people to get as you come to church. We want you to be certain of the things that you claim to believe. We want you to be certain and convinced. And and ultimately, only the Holy Spirit can do that convincing work. But my job is to, to expose and expand on or just to share God's word and trust that the Holy Spirit will do a work in you. Right? Uh, and, and I had that experience growing up in church where I, I heard my pastor and I remember being confused like what does he mean by that and and he would ask questions and i would never get it right and and uh and then right around 12 13 years old it wasn't that the pastor all of a sudden got his act together Can tell you that it was that the holy spirit did a work in me and all of a sudden what he would teach it was like yeah now i get it oh that's what he meant oh and it's just like this light bulb just went on And I know it was God doing his saving work in me and just kind of opening my understanding. That might sound weird to you, but that's exactly how it goes. That's exactly how it goes. So this morning, Luke chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, the title of this morning's message is Glorifying God Together. And I want to relate that to what we just did right now. This is not just a a ceremony. This is really us saying as a church we want to bless them, we want to encourage them, we want to help them, we want to do this life Together, we need each other. So glorifying God together, this is a story of the paralytic. Or maybe it's a story of uh, Jesus proclaiming his deity and his power. Or maybe you could say that this is actually the story of four good friends. That's what I love about scripture. I could preach on, on this same story maybe 20 different messages because there's so much you know, different angles that we can take. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, the title is Glorifying God Together. The main point is this, God is glorified when we realize that we get to be part of his plans and purposes. And I think that's awesome. God is glorified when we realize that we get to be part of God's plans and purposes. God is awesome, greater than you could imagine. He's got it all figured out. And within his plans and purposes, we realize that we get to be part of that. And that's, one, that's kind of the angle that I want to take as we read this section. Glorifying God together. And I'll say this, that um, as I find Luke, here it is. I encourage you to read. I encourage you to read. Follow, you know, follow along. We're going we're gonna to be pro- on chapter 5 probably a couple more weeks. And then we'll go into chapter 6. Read the chapter during the week. Ask yourself questions. And if you have other questions you can't answer, reach out to one of the growth group leaders, to myself, of course, or anybody else that, that can help you with those questions. Just know that, I don't know, to, to me it's super exciting to be able to be a student of God's word. And to have God reveal these truths that are applicable 2,000 years later. Luke 5, 16-26. Here's the story. Straight from Luke's here it says so he jesus himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of galilee judea and jerusalem and the power of the lord was present to heal them then behold men brought a bed in a on a bed a man who was paralyzed whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and they led him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemes? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus perceived their thoughts. He answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been laying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Amazing story. Amazing story. I would imagine that most of you are familiar with the story. Maybe you've heard this story before. But here we want to talk about how, you know, at the end of it, both the paralytic who was healed and the people that saw this healing take place, they did the same thing. They glorified God. And they were amazed at God's power. And one of the things that I'm not going to emphasize this time, but I, it, it certainly is worthy of emphasizing, is the fact that. That Luke puts this story here, mainly to tell us about Jesus' claim to deity. So, so here's what just happened, right? Here's, here's a Lord. And last week we talked about his healing of a, of a uh, leper. In this case, it's the healing of a paralytic, but there's so much more that happened. Here's a paralytic, meaning he can move on his own. They hear that Jesus is preaching at a house nearby. And what I would encourage you to do, I've said this before, if you read the same story in the different Gospels, you kind of get these different bits of information, right, details. Uh, I think it's Mark that says there were four friends. So here's this man, paralytic. He can't move. He can't walk on his own. He can't get to Jesus on his own. He lays on this bed. What it looked like, we don't know. And somehow, we're going to use our sanctified imagination and kind of read into things. Somehow they hear, either he hears or his friends hear, that Jesus is nearby. And they've heard of his fame that he can heal. And so here are these friends, or here's his paralytic saying, maybe if I can get to Jesus. Or his friends are thinking like, man, if we could get, but we don't know his name. If we could get our friend to Jesus, we know Jesus can heal him." They're expressing this faith. they got to get him to Jesus. And so four of them, here it doesn't say, and the other gospels it does say they were four friends. And it makes sense, right? There's a bed and each one grabs a corner and they, they take him to Jesus. And the other gospel says that he was teaching Jesus in a house and it was so full, it was so packed, even all the way out through the door, that they couldn't even get through the door. And then, and here's our sanctified Imagination. I just think how easily they, have, they could have given up, right? Or they could have just waited outside hoping that maybe Jesus, once he's done and everybody leaves, they'll see him. But somehow, and think about this, is amazing. And think about how this relates to you. And, and in this story, you're both the paralytic and you're also one of the four friends. You could just be one of the proud, you just can't be Jesus, right? You can't be Jesus, but you could be one person like just imagine you sitting there listening to Jesus in the living room, and then all this stuff transpires. Or you could imagine yourself as being one of the four friends, because all of us have friends, relatives, that need Jesus, they need to hear Jesus, need to know Jesus, who can heal in every way. Or you could be the paralytic. A- and if you're a believer, you realize that at one point, you were the paralytic. In the sense that you were incapable of going to Christ. He had to come search you out and save you. And so they could have given up, but they didn't. And then what we just read, I'm just recapping the story here. Somehow they realized, let's take him up through the roof. And let's lower him down wherever he's at. Probably in the living room, whatever. And that's what they do. They go to the roof, they remove the tiling, and then they bring them down to, at the feet of Jesus. And then the Lord says something super interesting. He doesn't just say, oh, you can't walk. All right, be healed. He says, man, he looks at their faith, he says, and he tells the young man, young man, your sins are forgiven you. And you could imagine everybody sitting there like, your sins are forgiven you? Maybe the friends that are lowering him are like, no, 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 we brought him for for you to heal his legs. Tell worry about the sin. But but that's not his problem. The Lord understands that his major problem is the sin problem. And he addresses the sin problem first. And there's a big sermon there for, for us. Some of us are looking for physical healing or financial help. Or uh, we're looking for, you know, help with our relationships. And all those things are important. And God knows that. But God is always going to be more interested in our main problem. That's our sin problem. And so he tells them, your sins are forgiven you. And then everybody gets scandalized. They're like, what? Who does he think he is? Your sins are forgiven you. That's blasphemy, they think, in their heart. Only God can forgive sins, which is correct. They just didn't realize that Jesus is God in the flesh. And then the Lord says something amazing, he goes, he, under, he perceives that that's what they're thinking, that he's blasphemous for saying your sins are forgiven you. So he turns to the crowd and says, I don't know why you guys are thinking that. So he says, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say to this paralytic, rise up and walk? And the Lord says specifically, so that you may know that the Son of Man, meaning Jesus himself, has power to forgive sins on earth, he says to the young man, get up and walk. And what does he do? He gets up and walks. I love saying this. There is nothing difficult for the Lord. You understand that? I believe that. I don't understand it. There's nothing difficult. I used to say there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. And then I realized, why am I saying that? There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. Like almost too difficult, not quite. He just got it done. Like, no, there isn't anything difficult for God. Not even a little bit difficult. And that should that should fill our hearts with joy and hope. And like, what do you mean there's nothing? Yeah, there's nothing difficult. Everything he does for us is impossible. Everything he does, he's more than able to do it. And there's nothing difficult for him. And just as he's able to say, your sins are forgiven you, he's the only one that can say that. He could also say, Well, your problem is you're paralytic get up and walk with the same breath with the same power nothing is difficult for the lord and in one and, and then the end result is that god is glorified therefore what we're interested is in glorifying god beloved if you're still lost if you're still wondering like what am i here for why did god create me i'm so odd i got so many issues like why am i even here for you're here for god's glory You were created for God's glory. You weren't created so that you could be the most fun, happiest, fulfilled individual in the history of humanity. That's what the world tells you. That's what the culture tells you. Oh, you have so much, but look, you don't have this. And it's the same thing that Satan did with Adam and Eve. Of all the fruits you can freely eat except for this one, what does Satan do? Look, God must not love you. He doesn't want you to eat from this one. And and beloved, that's that's how we all are. Isn't that interesting? If we're going around bitter and angry and resentful and unhappy, it's because instead of being grateful for what we do have, we allow the enemy and our flesh and this world to tell us, man, if only you had this much more. If only you didn't deal with this. And there we are, all sad, because we don't have that. Instead of saying, Lord, you're amazing. You died for me. I don't need anything else. But God in his grace does give us lots more. We just have to be careful. All right. If I don't start my message, I will not finish. So let's get to it. Getting to glorify God together means. I have three points that I want to share with you. So as a church, and this is part of what we want to invite you to. To be part of Crosspoint. I'll say it here. You don't have to come to Crosspoint. I want you to come to Crosspoint. But I don't want you to just come to Crosspoint. I want you to come to Crosspoint because you understand what Crosspoint is about. And Crosspoint is about glorifying God by being disciples of Christ and making disciples for Christ. If you don't get that right, then you're not going to like this church. Because you're going to be like, well, I'm here for friends and I'm here for this and... I heard they have good food when they have, or whatever it is. Maybe they could help you with this and that, and we do want to help you with this and that. But we're here to glorify God by being good disciples of Christ, being knowledgeable and obedient of God's scripture. And then we want to share that with other people because we understand how blessed we are having a relationship with him. And so that's what, that's what the invitation to being part of Crosspoint is. And we encourage you to come. We encourage you to be committed. There's so much to do. If you're thinking like, ah, I think I'm pretty good right now. You're not. You're not. You know, Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. What does that mean? The expectation is for us to be, is to be like Christ. But before you get to Christ, try to be like Paul. Anybody here like Paul? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you had to gauge yourself, if Paul's an 8, Christ's a 10, where would you rank yourself? Seven point five? No, don't you dare. I hope nobody rated themselves more than a three. I think I'm a 2.1. I don't know what I am. I'm kind of kidding about that. But I hope nobody is, is happy with where they're at. I mean, blessed in Christ. Thank God for that. We read what we saw in Romans chapter 8. We are more than conquerors. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. That's awesome. That's our perfect standing in Christ. But as far as my discipline as a believer and my service to the Lord and my commitment and my integrity and all that stuff, I got a long ways to go. And that's what we're here for, to help each other, build each other up. So getting to glorify God together means, point number one, we care for one another. We care for one another. Just think about this paralytic and his four friends. They cared for him. And they knew that the best thing for him, they saw his need, and they were like, well, we can't fix him. We can't take him to a doctor. Maybe they had already tried. And then they hear that Jesus is there, and they care enough for his friend to take him to to Jesus. And they don't just take him, but they get there, they can't make it, and they get creative. I mean, imagine, have you ever tried moving a sofa with somebody? Come on, man. And women move sofas too. Ever Even just moving a sofa. Or can you get, help me get it from the living room to the bedroom? All right, grab it from right there. No, 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 no. You grab it from right there. Let's turn it this way. Let's, it becomes like this Mission Impossible, just moving a sofa. How about taking a paralytic to Jesus and then taking him up the roof and down the roof into his feet? Can you imagine all the trouble that could have happened there? I don't have time to develop. I had a, I had a fun time studying for this and just thinking like, like who was, I'm sure one guy had the idea of the t- bringing them down to the tiles. What did the other three say? You're crazy. What if we drop them? We don't even have, I mean, did they have ropes? What, how did they do that? They must have had like a really brave guy and an engineer guy, probably a rich guy to say like, well, they're going to like kill us for breaking their roof." Don't worry, I'll pay for it. I mean, I, my mind went all over the place. A courageous guy, uh, uh engineer a creative person, a resourceful MacGyver type of guy. And I, and I was thinking about a lot of you guys. When I serve and when I do something and, and we do it together, and I see how God has equipped us in different ways to work together for God's glory, is awesome. But we need to care for one another. And presenting these babies and looking at these families, we're saying as a family, as a church, we want to care for them. We want to care for one another. And you need to understand that that's not the norm. You know, the reason why people coming to Crossroads should be just, you know, uh, amazed. It's not because of the lights or the this or the that. People are going to come to you and say, like, is, first of all, they're going to say, is, is that preacher for real? Or is he one of those phony ones? Well, that's your judgment to make. And then they're going to say, like, are those people in the, in the, in the front where they, you know, they're all smiling? What's up with them? Are they for real or are they just, like, phony? Well, that's up to for you to decide and figure out. Do we care for one another? Why? Because that's not the norm. You know what the norm is? The norm is for us to be competitive. The norm is for us to be jealous of one another. The norm is for us to be covetous. Ah, look at how. You know what I'm saying. I don't have time to develop that. That's the norm. What is not normal is for us that outside of being part of Crosspoint, we're strangers to one another. Outside of Crosspoint, we came from everywhere everywhere. And yet here we are caring for one another. That glorifies God. We see that in the story, people caring for people. Let me share some verses with you. We're going to go fairly quick. And we are going to go over time today. I'm I was going to say I'm sorry, but I'm not. We're good. You guys are fine, right? Maybe five, 10 minutes. Care for one another. Let me take a look at these verses. Uh, I want to share with you Philippians chapter two, verse four. It says, "Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others." Paul says that. In the church, we don't just care for our interests. We care for each other's interests. We don't just care for our kids. We care for everybody's kids. You see that? 1 Peter 1.22. It says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, since you've become Christians through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with the pure heart. Since you've become a Christian, now you belong to God. Take care of one another. Love one another with brotherly love. Fervently, not passively, fervently with a pure heart. Do you find it in your heart to care for one another? Or is everybody here just strangers? And of course, if you're new here, you know. But one of the signs that you're going to know that you're now a Christian is that in you, you're going to find in your heart a sincere desire to love other people. And you're going to be amazed. I was going to say you're going to trip out. doesn't sound right. But you're going to trip out. You're going to be like, what? I didn't care for those people before. Now, like I want to serve them. Now I don't mind getting here and making coffee, setting up tables, uh, practicing so that I can worship, lead in worship. And all these other things that people do here at church. I pray that it's out of a sincere heart that we do this. And I hope you realize if that is in you, that's not the norm. That's God working in you. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Paul says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. You might be thinking, kindly affectionate? I don't even know how to do that. Some of us grew up in the opposite type of environment in our families. And now we're going to be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another out of a pure heart. That is going to be in your heart because God put it there. And lastly, Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. And there's tons of verses like this. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're not supposed to bear our burdens by ourselves. Our burden is something that weighs you down. And the church is to come around and say, let me help you, brother. Just like the paralytic. What would have happened if the paralytic did not have his four friends? Simple. Nothing. We wouldn't be reading about him 2,000 years later. But it's all for God's glory. So getting to glorify God together means as a church we care for one another. And if be frank with yourself. If you don't care for people, then you have a choice to make. You're fine as you are. You're going to keep taking care of you. Or you're going to repent of that, humble yourself before God, and say, Lord, I can't be like this. If I claim to be a follower of yours and I don't have love for other people, it does not show through my care of other people, you got to tell me what's going on. And you should be concerned. Uh, Point number two. So getting to glorify God together means we care for one another. And Point number two, we accept help from each other. Oh, this is such a good one. The paralytic had to accept help from his friends. Let's assume the four friends heard that Jesus. Because the paralytic, you know, he didn't go anywhere ever. So the four friends hear about Jesus, or maybe one hears, and then he texts the other three. Yeah, all right. And then they all say, oh, let's take our paralytic friend to Jesus. And then they get there and he probably literally never goes anywhere. And they say, Hey, Jesus is in town. We want to take you over there. What would you have said? I, I'm almost sure some of you it makes me almost upset. And I feel bad for you. Cause some of you would have said, Nah, it's all right. I don't want to bother you guys. Nah, I mean, look, and then I'm not even showered and I haven't gone out in years and It's embarrassing. Why don't you guys go? You go have fun. You go listen to him. How many of you guys are like that? A lot of you are like that. Why are you like that? Shh. Here comes his uh, preacher courage. Because you're proud. Because you're proud. You got to let that go. If you're going to experience help for one another, you can't be a proud individual. And the Lord helps you with that. Look at this verse that we all know. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's coming up. By grace you have been saved through faith and that's not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. If you don't get this right at the beginning in your relationship with God, one, you don't have a relationship with God, you have religion. You have to understand that salvation, relationship with God is because of what he did for you. It's by grace, it's free. It's nothing that you've earned. You can't come to Christ with pride. You have to just let it all go, surrender, throw yourself at the feet of Jesus, say, Lord, there's nothing that I can do for myself. I need you. I need you to do everything for me. And the paralytic in this story was willing to do that. Was it embarrassing? I'm sure it was for him. We swallowed his pride and said, Yeah, take me there. I have no other option. We gotta to get to that point. Even as a family. You know how you know how difficult it is to be a parent? Young parents? Don't ever don't ever think that you have to act like you got it all together. And when your kids do weird stuff, you don't have to hide it. You don't have to hide it. And you don't have to pretend like it's all fine. Like every other parent understands. And for us that are a little bit ahead of the game here, just know we've probably made every mistake that you're going to make. We've probably gone through every pain that you're going to go through as a parent. And the enemy would love for us to just... You deal with your issues over there, and then you deal with your issues over there, and don't talk to each other because you might help each other. <coughs> you might end up encouraging one another. So stay in your corner, act like everything's all right, and just keep going to church. Forget that, beloved. We all have issues. There are no perfect parents, not even close. So, and not just parents, but in everything else, every other aspect of our lives. So we need to understand that we come to God by grace. Everything he does, he gives us. And all you can do is just receive it. And the inner you wants to say like, no, but I got to pay you back, Lord. And the Lord would say, you have nothing to pay me with. But I'm smart. And I'm, I got money. I could give to the church. The Lord would say, you have nothing to pay me with. Zero. And Isaiah says, come and buy, you who have no money. We get everything for nothing. We accept it by faith. And the minute you try to earn anything of God's favor, you've gone the wrong way. Isn't that amazing? If we understand that, then we bring that attitude into the church. We're saved by grace. We receive from God. And part of what you receive as a Christian is this family with resources and gifts to bless you. But if you want to continue with your pride and your arrogance and feel like, no, I'm going to do it myself. Because all my life, I've done it all myself. I did this. I raised myself. I raised my brothers and sisters. And I raised this and that. I can do it all. The only person cheering you is Satan himself. Yeah. Way to go, you individualistic, awesome person. Luke 15.31 Oh man, I really well. Let me share Hebrews twelve fifteen. He says, "Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God; lest any root of bitterness spring up. Any, uh, sorry, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled." The author here is saying, "Like, be careful in the church that roots of bitterness don't grow." Why is he saying to the church? I know, I'll tell you why he's saying to the church. Because in the church, including this one, there's a bunch of bitter people. Bitter. The opposite of joyful and grateful, there's bitter people. And maybe I would dare say that in all of us, there's some bitterness in one way or another. Towards God and towards other people. We have to be careful with that. He says, he's warning us, be careful lest this root of bitterness grow up. You got to like really search your heart and say, where, where, where am I bitter why, why am I bitter? And let me get back to Luke chapter 15, verse 31. There's a whole story of the prodigal son. But there was, a, there was an older brother. And you know what he was? So his younger brother asked for half of his inheritance. He takes it. He wastes it. He comes back. And this older brother, who's out in the field working the dad's land, who's really, it's, which is really his, he's angry that his brother came back. He's bitter about the fact that his younger brother, I don't know if it was his younger brother, his brother came back. Instead of being happy and joyful, he's bitter and angry and he tells his dad, I don't want to go to your party. That little punk son of yours took all your money and he wasted it in prostitutes and prodigal living and then he goes, that wasn't the problem. The problem is he goes, and here I am working for you. And never once have you given me anything for my friends. You know what that is? Classic case of bitterness. And then the dad says, son, what are you talking about? Everything that I have is yours. Meaning all you had to do is take it or ask. And you know what? A lot of us don't do that. We don't ask. And we become bitter. And we feel like, man, even at church. I've met so many bitter people at church. People that lead at church. And it's a classic case. You know, you give and you do and you get there early and you do this right. And, and then Satan gets in there and says, like, have you noticed that nobody else does what you do? And nobody does it as good as you do. and Nobody's as committed as you. Hey, nobody even tells you thank you. And what happens? This root of bitterness grows in you. Not only do you contaminate yourself, but it says here it contaminates other people around. And then you go finding other bitter people in the church, and you start talking bad about the leadership. And you start with the elders. Well, you start with the pastor first. (laughs) I remember one time I went to deliver shirts to a school. Some of you guys don't know why I would do that, but just trust me. I went to make a delivery at a church, and the people at the office, I'm just delivering shirts. I'm just a delivery guy. Many years ago. And the people in the office in the church Man, they just met me five seconds ago and they're talking smack about the leadership of the church. You know, they do this and they do that. I'm like, well, I don't need to know that. And why are you talking about about your leadership? What are you doing in this church? If you don't like the leadership, go find another one. But chances are there's nothing wrong with the leadership. I mean, there's always something wrong with the leadership. But it's not the leadership's problem. It's our heart. It's our, our, our un, unwillingness. And I put a little note here that I want to share with you. Many people in the church are angry and bitter towards God and the church because they haven't gotten something or they haven't received something from God. And and the Lord would say the same thing that that the prodigal son's dad said. Everything that I have is yours. Why don't you ask for it? He said, no, but you never gave me anything. I gave you a whole family and everybody in your spiritual family, I gifted them in a way to bless you. How come you never asked? Wow, they never gave me anything. Why didn't you ask? Well, I don't think I should have to ask, right? I mean, they saw my need. How come they didn't call me? How come they didn't do that? You got to be careful, beloved. This is serious spiritual matters. You don't want to be bitter. You don't want to be like the prodigal son's brother. We have to learn to accept help from each other. Let's finish. If we're going to glorify God together... We're going to care for one another, we're going to accept help for one another, and we're going to help each other grow closer to God. We're all blessed in different ways in order that we would bless one another. God brought you here. God made you part of his church, and he gifted you. You have to believe this. It's in the word. He gifted you in a way, not for you to be a super gifted person, but you could take those gifts and bless people around you. So let's look at a couple of verses and we'll end it with that. Hebrews 10, 24, it says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let's, let us consider one another for what? To stir up each other unto love and good works. When you come to church, you should be inspired and encouraged and equipped to love and to do good works for God's glory. And then lastly, Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 through 13, Paul says, and he himself, God himself, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers for what? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It is God's will that all of us become more and more Christ-like. And we do that through this process of sanctification and growing. And how do we grow? It says here, God gifted everyone so that we can encourage and equip and help one another to become more like Christ. That is what we do here. And as we become more like Christ, we glorify God. That's how it works. Isn't that amazing? God has a perfect plan, beloved. And it is all about him. But within those plans that ultimately glorify him... We find ourselves in that, and we get to be part of that. You might ask, so what would have happened if he didn't have four friends? What would have happened if the man, the paralytic, would have, like, not accepted the help? And what would have happened if they would have given up as soon as they got there? And what would have happened? I don't know. You could go crazy thinking, like, what if, what if, what if. Don't worry about all the what ifs pursue Christ what is he telling you to do what is he gifted you with how can you help other people how can you bless others how can you make your life less about you and more about the people around you how do I start and 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 don't think like I don't know where to start or if you're married start with your spouse if you have children start with your children start in your family get your act together honor God through that ask for help be willing to receive help humble yourself and then after that, serve in the church. Find people in the church that you can bless and help and encourage and, and let God do his work through you. Together we will bring honor and glory to God, just as this story of the paralytic did. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this time. We thank you for everything that occurred this morning. It was a busy morning, busy service. Thank you for the young families and their children. We pray for them, their relatives, and and for this church family that we will come together and honor you by helping one another. Whether it's helping the young adults tonight. Whether it's helping these young parents uh, in their uh, child raising. Whether it's helping one another as couples, as, as men As young people in our youth group, uh, the children that are being taught right now and taken care of, we want to do everything here to honor and glorify your name, and we want to do it together. We pray for forgiveness for our pride and our selfishness that has hindered uh, us experiencing the type of miracles that you have in store for us. Help us to be more like your son. Help us to care for one another. Help us to learn to receive help be willing to receive help from one another and help us, Father, to grow each other closer to you and help each other in doing that. We pray that you would dismiss us with your blessing. We thank you. We praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you, beloved. You are dismissed.